Hello and welcome to the Fit Leaders Podcast, the podcast for leaders seeking sustainable success. I'm your host, David Chinsky, founder of the Institute for Leadership Fitness and creator of Fit Leaders Academy. Join me as we explore how fit leaders enjoy vibrant lives marked by personal health and sustained contributions. In this podcast, The Innovation Broker, I'd like to talk about how organizations can remain vital and fresh as they seek to reinvent themselves over the years. As organizations grow in both size and complexity, I have observed that critical thinking in all of its forms, whether it's questioning, creating, inventing, or exploring, often take a back seat to efficiency, output, and short-term return on investment. If we are going to create a culture that is conducive to innovation, we need to put in place a number of processes that allow organizations that are creative to actually translate that creativity into value for some and customers. In fact, to me, that's the key distinction between creativity and innovation. Creativity requires that we establish an environment where people feel safe recommending new ways of doing our work. And in many organizations, because of the fear of speaking up and suggesting something that might be different from the status quo, or worse yet, suggesting an approach that is different than what is being recommended by one's boss, often creative ideas never surface. So creativity is all about how to encourage and invite that participation so that the organization can continue to be curious about how it might do things differently. So that's creativity. To be innovative requires that an organization follow certain processes so that those creative ideas can actually take hold. You could be very creative as an organization and even as an individual and yet not be very innovative. So I want to talk through some of the processes that I believe can set an organization up for success as it looks to innovate and reinvent itself so that it stays relevant to its key markets. One of the first questions that I like to ask is, does the organization have a clear process for funding ideas that arise outside the confines of the annual planning process? I remember when I was managing a multi-million dollar product development budget for an information services company that I would have staff come to me occasionally and say, David, I've got a great idea and I'd like to be able to tinker with it and at least get to proof of concept to show you that this is feasible. And I often had to say, look, I don't have any additional funds right now. All of our money is already applied and committed to long-term projects. So in product development, often we are investing in multi-month, multi-year programs. And so the best I could do was say, come back when it's budget time and let's consider it then. Well, I realized that that was not necessarily the best way to create innovation 
and certainly not a way to encourage initiative on the part of my staff. So what I did before we enacted our next budget was to ensure that I had access to enough money to be able to fund some of these one-off projects. So we weren't talking about millions and millions of dollars, although enough money, certainly, so someone could go and see if their idea could, in fact, add value. I used to call this my playing in the sandbox fund. And I can tell you that there were several ideas that got started in that sandbox that went on to become breakthrough products for us. So it's important that we have some slack in our budget, in our funding, so that we can at least give the green light to some ideas that we think are consistent with where we want to innovate in the organization and to provide people with the wherewithal to actually get to some proof of concept for us. It's also important to track some key innovation metrics. One of the measures that I think is extremely important for an organization that is tracking how innovative it is or has become is to calculate the percent of revenue generated from products or services introduced in the last three years. So what I am looking for in this measure or metric is the extent to which we are relying on what we might call legacy products and services, products and services that we have been delivering for years and years and years, maybe decades. And it might be that those products still have value, and yet at some point, given technology improvements, given changes in customer needs, if organizations aren't constantly thinking about what else they could be doing or what's next in the product pipeline, there's a good chance that those organizations are not going to stay up with all of the latest and greatest technologies and needs of their markets. So it's important to pay attention to how much of what we deliver is new. Are we as an organization taking the time to constantly be asking ourselves, what else might we do? What might we do differently? What are our customers' unmet needs? So developing metrics that allow you to track this will give you an easy way of, of understanding to what extent you are, in fact, innovating and looking for new ways and new services and new products to offer to your market. I've also found it helpful to have some type of visual idea pipeline that can help everyone in the organization see the importance of innovation by identifying new ideas and by identifying where those ideas are in the innovation process. Are we just ideating, coming up with the notion of what we might do differently? Are we actually developing specifications with our customers for how this new idea, this new product or service might actually be developed and rolled out? Are we in the final stages? So having some type of dashboard or pipeline, I like to call it an idea pipeline, that shows people where different ideas are and at what stage of the innovation process these ideas sit. 
Sometimes just seeing the innovations that are being pursued can give other people the incentive to be thinking about what they might create and seek innovation funding for. Another question that I often ask organizations that are seeking to become more innovative is how much brainstorming are they doing? Are they actually taking the time to develop some plans for what's next? So often in organizations today, we are so tied up in the day-to-day in putting out fires that we don't carve out dedicated times on our calendar, either for ourselves or for our teams, to really pay attention to what we might be able to do differently. We have to create a boundary of space and a boundary of time to ensure that we aren't crowding out the space for innovation by all of the more urgent tasks and activities that we're responsible for performing. How much time are we spending each month in forums specifically focused on innovation? And is it enough? And this is a question for the senior leadership of the organization as well as for other levels of the organization. Do our innovation efforts have clear executive sponsors and product champions? Many of us, given our position in our organizations, probably know to whom we would take an idea, a new process recommendation. And yet those in the organization that are closer to our customers may not know where to take an idea that they have. And quite frankly, many of our best ideas are going to come from the people who are closer to the customer as opposed to people who are in senior leadership positions. Often it's a delusion that we like to perpetuate that when we become senior leaders, that we remember what the needs of the organization are and the needs of our customers are. And yet, depending on how long it's been since we were playing those roles closer to the customer, a lot of things change. And so often some of our best ideas actually come from those that are a lot closer to the day-to-day implementation of our programs and, and those that are in more frequent communication with our customers on the front end. So it's important for everyone to know who to go to if they have an idea so that those ideas don't die on the vine. I often like to see a rotating commitment on the part of senior leaders to play this role of executive sponsor or product champion to make sure that everyone in the organization knows that here is the person or here are the people that you can go to to discuss an idea. And these executive sponsors, product champions, will help you determine whether or not there is feasibility. And if there is, they will help you get the visibility that you need to get the funding and the support to continue down your path of discovering whether your idea can add value to your customers and to the organization. Something else that is critically important in the innovation process is to learn from our mistakes, to do what is often referred to as a post-mortem. So when something fails, when something doesn't work, it's important that we understand why it didn't work. There are a couple of industries that do a particularly good job in this area. One is the healthcare industry, 
many of you know that when a patient dies in a hospital, there's often a postmortem, a mortality conference where the clinicians gather to determine what caused the mortality, what caused this patient to die. Sometimes the conclusion is that the patient simply was very, very sick, had a number of comorbidities that led to a very poor outcome and unfortunately to the death of the patient. In other situations, it might be that there was a process failure or a process defect on the part of the hospital or the physicians or the surgeons or others involved in the care of the patient. And it's in those situations where we have the opportunity to fix a process so that we reduce the likelihood of this type of death occurring again. Another example of an industry that does this very well is the aviation industry. We all know that when a plane crashes, within 24 to 48 hours, a team converges at the site of the accident. This is the National Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB, who focuses on the cause of the crash. Was it pilot error? Was it equipment defects? And this is done to ensure that we learn from these crashes, from these failures, from these mistakes, so that they aren't repeated. So it used to be that planes crashed a lot more than they do today. And one of the reasons for that is that we have learned effectively from our mistakes and taken corrective actions to prevent planes crashing for the same reasons again. So whenever we have a failure or even a success in our organizations, it pays to take a little bit of time to reflect on what contributed to the failure or to the success so that we know what not to keep doing or what to continue doing, depending on whether it was a failure or a success. Other ways to build more innovation muscle might be to create an innovation console or an innovation board whose job it is to mine for innovations, to be on the lookout for new ideas, perhaps putting together some guidelines that would help people in the organization know what types of innovation the organization is particularly interested in, let's say this year. Maybe it's cost reduction innovations, other process innovations, maybe creating products that do this or do that. So to the extent that we can provide some clarity around areas of focus for the organization, individuals can be looking for innovations that align with that proposed innovation strategy for the organization. It can also be helpful to define what gates the innovators need to go through to receive successive amounts of funding. So when I talked about my playing in the sandbox fund, there were certain guidelines that helped my staff know that if they wanted to go beyond the initial funding, they needed to be able to demonstrate 
some return on investment. They needed to be able to show feasibility. They needed to demonstrate proof of concept. If they didn't, then they would not get any additional investment. And that's the way that we can promote innovative experiments without necessarily continuing to pour good money after bad. One of the worst things that happens in organizations is not stopping or killing a project when it's clear that that project is not working and is not going to succeed, is not going to accomplish what it's set out to accomplish. And for a number of reasons, organizations and leaders, individual leaders, tend to have a hard time walking away from an investment that they made in the past, even though it isn't going anywhere. And one of the things we need to get better at is doing just that. When a project goes south and it doesn't seem like we're going to be able to recover, we will spend our money much more prudently and effectively on other projects that have a better chance of succeeding. Another approach that I have seen some organizations take to encourage both creativity and innovation is to imagine someone else in your industry that is about to shatter the mold and reinvent the business you're in. So putting a group of people together who talk throughout the year about how you might actually conduct your business differently. To think about how a competitor, a real competitor, might obsolete you. And the value of doing this is that you end up obsoleting yourself as opposed to being put out of business by, by that real competitor. So you assume that, that you are competing with someone that doesn't really exist, with an organization that is not in place yet. And you do the thinking around, gee, if we were to start over, how would we do this differently? And then based on what you learn through that discussion, make the changes that create more resiliency for your own organization so that should a real competitor come and do those things, you'll be prepared. Or you actually do those things and someone who might be thinking of competing with you realizes that you're already in the best possible place and that there isn't a lot of value in them trying to put you out of business. So I encourage you to think about what one thing you would do to improve the innovation potential for your organization. Maybe it's one of the ideas that we talked about in this podcast, spending a little bit more time devoted to tinkering, making sure that there is sufficient funding, having adequate measures, metrics that allow you to determine whether or not you are actually succeeding in achieving the objective set out at the onset of an innovation project, making sure that people know who to go to in the organization to get encouragement and guidance and support and visibility around their ideas and making sure that we are benefiting from the failures, the mistakes that we're making. A failure is simply an unanticipated outcome. Oh, I didn't expect that. I'm not gonna do it that way again. So organizations that 
view failure as an essential step in the learning process will likely be willing to promote and invest in more innovation. Developing breakthrough ideas is definitely hard work. And we also know that playing it safe with incremental improvements to an outdated model is actually the riskiest move of all. If you'd like to learn more about how to broker innovation in your organization and become a fit leader, I invite you to visit fitleadersacademy.com. That's fitleadersacademy.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.